Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. You know, I think that if there are two things that every Christian ought to be wanting to grow in and, and ought to be really applying themselves to, I'd say it's faith and love. Scripture says that love is the greatest commandment of all. And we're told three times in Scripture that the just shall live by faith. Therefore, I'm so looking forward to this whole month where we're speaking about faith. It's been a strong part of my life for so many years. And yet I still feel like there's so much more to learn and so much more to grow in. I don't ever feel like when it comes to faith, I've arrived I feel like there's always another hurdle or another issue or another opportunity that faith wants me to step into. And, uh, you know, I I just think the life of faith is an exceptionally wonderful way to live it. I think the Christian life without faith is difficult and boring. But if you live the life of faith, then you'll never be bored and you'll always have hope in your life. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 tells us this. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is not a mental process, it's not just an optimistic mindset. The Bible says faith is the substance of things that are hoped for. And if they're hoped for, they're not here yet. And yet faith is here. My faith is here, even though those things aren't here yet. It says faith is the evidence of things not seen. I was at dinner with uh, some people, great people from our church this week. And I'd been thinking all that day about this word evidence because it literally means proof. And so many times the enemy wants to point out adversity to you, wants to show you what's not going right or the things that are are difficult for you and wants to hold them up as proof to you that somehow or other God has abandoned you or that God is not favouring you or that He's walked away from your life or somehow that you've missed it. And so this verse, I was literally walking in the bush. It's where God's, I think He lives in the bush behind my house. And I I was going through there and this verse spun into my mind so fast. Faith is the proof. So if ever you want to know, does God love me? Does God care about me? Is God with me? Does God favour me? The Scripture says that the existence of divine faith in your life is the proof of even the things that are not seen. But if they're not seen and if they're just still hoped for, then it does mean that much of my life, my walk with God life, is going to be spent in the space between what I believe and what I see, that there's always going to be a divine gap. I say, God, you say you've called me, but Lord, where is the evidence of that? Lord, you say you've blessed me with every spiritual blessing. You say everything I put my hand to will prosper. That's what the Bible says. And yet God, I'm looking at my business or I'm looking at my home or my family and I'm not seeing that. And faith exists for that moment. And by any definition, therefore, faith is unreasonable. Faith is not logical, it's unreasonable. Faith declares that God is at work when things look the same or worse, when you feel like your life is on the downhill slope 
and it's gone from uh, one bad thing to another. Faith says, I'm blessed when the cupboard is empty. Faith asserts vision is coming to pass when everything feels like actually the gear lever is stuck in reverse gear. Abraham and Sarah had an unreasonable expectation that long after they got their pension cards, somehow or other they would become parents and not just parents of a child but a child that would be the forerunner, not only of a nation, but in whom the whole families of the earth were gonna get blessed. They had an unreasonable expectation. David, you all know the story. David had an unreasonable confidence. Nobody else thought David had any brains at all. They all stood back, every single one, and said, are you kidding? Do you really think you, a little shepherd boy, can honestly take on this massive warrior trained from childhood, expert in all of the fighting arts? He's so much taller than you. My goodness, it's ridiculous. Don't even think about going out there. But he had an unreasonable confidence, as so much so that he declared himself the victim the winner, before they'd even fought. He already imagined himself putting on the champion's belt. He already imagined himself winning the battle. You see, faith is unreasonable. Jesus had an unreasonable rest. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, it says this in verse 37, And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we are perishing? He's having an unreasonable rest. The storm is belting the boat, tossing it to and fro. And yet Jesus is back there with the who sleeps in the middle of a storm. It's unreasonable. But he's asleep there. Then He arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But He said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? See, I read my Bible and discover Jesus spoke about faith at the weirdest of times. He spoke about faith when there was no hope and everyone knew there was no hope. He spoke about faith when they were in a storm and everybody, the experienced fisherman amongst them, by the way, he's the carpenter, what would he know? But yet every one of the fishermen is in panic mode, bailing like crazy, hearing the creak of the timbers and believing that at any moment they're about to be totally undone. They're about to die. We're perishing, they cry out. And he's back there having a sleep. There is an unreasonable rest that God wants to bring. And this morning, I know that there are people here in front of me, people that are listening via the podcast or through other means, and you need an unreasonable rest in your life right now because stuff's going down in your world and things are happening. And everybody around about you, listen to me, everybody around about you is telling you how bad it's gonna get and what'll happen next and and what it's gonna look like. And all their words start to build fear inside of your life. I don't know who you are. I just know right now while I'm speaking, the Holy Spirit is quickening. I know there are people here and there are people around about you that are telling you uh, that how bad it's gonna get. 
and, and they are literally speaking words of fear. And yet when Jesus stood up and spoke, all of their words become nothing. Listen to me. It's not how many people are telling you. One word from God is always enough. One word from God can change everything and anything in your life. One word from Jesus spoken into your heart and you're the only one that hears it. Jesus was asleep. Why? Because He was the only one who'd heard the Word of the Father. At the beginning of the chapter, He says, let us go over to the other side. He knew that He was meant to go on a mission across there. And so an unreasonable rest was in His life. Are you right now in the middle of a storm that you feel like everyone around you is saying, wow, this looks bad. Oh, I feel sorry for you. And the sympathy brigade trot out all the reasons why you should really be feeling down. And yet if there's one word from God comes into your soul, then all of a sudden there will come a great peace and a great rest. I know lots of you know what that's like. You know, the doctor said this, the bank manager said this, the newspaper said this, and yet inside of your soul, inside of your soul, there's a confidence, an unreasonable one. And people are looking at you and thinking, obviously they've lost their mind. Obviously, that person really doesn't understand what's really going down because if they did, they'd be as worried as we are. He had an unreasonable rest. And faith is always unreasonable to onlookers, but it's perfectly sensible and perfectly reasonable to those who have it. Amen. Let me pray right now, because I don't know who you are, but I know there are people here like that. And I know as well that there are people around about you and they're telling you all that's going down and they're telling you what's probably gonna happen and all of that stuff. And you feel like the fear level is starting to rise higher and higher. Father, in Jesus' Name, I thank You for everyone that's listening, wherever they are. God, I pray that today there'll come the quiet whisper of the words of Jesus into our heart and soul, that we are meant to go to the other side, that this is not the end, that this is not for disaster, that this is not for breaking. But God, this is for a demonstration of Your great power and Your great grace in Jesus' Name. Right now, Holy Spirit, pour Your peace out on the people. Right now, Lord, pour it out. Their mind might worry, but give them a peace inside of their heart that you are with them in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. So faith is unreasonable, but it's reasonable. Let me tell you why I believe faith is reasonable. No matter what's going on in your life, number one, it's reasonable because God has already given His best. Imagine if I would give you my house, my biggest asset, but you come and ask me for a paper clip and I say, buzz off. You've got to be kidding. Imagine if I would refuse to give you something small. If I would give you my greatest asset, you would automatically think, wouldn't you? Well, I could ask him for that. His rusty old wheelbarrow that's got holes in the bottom of it, he'd probably give me that because after all, he said he'd give me his house. You know, those pots out there that are cracked and broken that I use for putting in the bottom of the pots to keep the soil in. Oh, He'd probably give me that. Why? Because He's already promised me an entire house. Listen to Romans chapter 8, verse 32. A great verse to memorise and to keep in your heart. He that did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him freely give us 
all things. If he would give Jesus to die for you, what do you honestly think he'll withhold? Let me read it to you in the message version because I think it says it in uh, an even more plain way. If God didn't, didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing Himself to the worst by sending His own Son, is there anything else He would gladly and freely do for us? I believe faith is reasonable because I just look at the cross and I go, if He was willing to go there, I know He's willing to go the next mile with me. I know He's willing to help me. I know that God is willing to be a partner with me. If He would do that, if He would give up His Son who was entirely innocent, undeserving of any punishment or any death, if He would allow Him to be made sin for my sake, who still stumbles from time to time, who still missteps, but if He would do that, then it's perfectly reasonable reasonable to believe and to know that He is absolutely going to help me. He's absolutely going to move forward with me in my life. It's reasonable because He's already given His best. Secondly, it's reasonable because my blessing has got divine purpose. You and I being blessed is always more than just meeting your need. You know, when I was uh, a young Christian, I just thought faith was all for me. You know, it was all about me getting blessed, me getting prosperous, me getting healed, me getting job, me getting whatever. It was all about my life. Well, then I began to discover as I matured a little in the Christian life that actually behind all of the blessing God wanted to bring me was that God wanted me to become a blessing to other people. And the reality is you can't become a blessing unless you're blessed. You can't give what you haven't got as much as you might have the heart to do it. That's why in this church, we unashamedly believe that God wants to prosper your life. I would believe it if for no other reason, take out every promise for it. I would believe it because I believe God wants to position you to help other people. And by the grace of God down through the years, we as a church have been able to do that for thousands and thousands of people and still do. When you go down into Hope Now and see Amanda and the team leading down there and see the people that for the first time in their life, they're not just getting food. See, we're not just another not-for-profit handing out help to people, but we are giving people supernatural and divine spiritual hope for their life. They come in one way and they walk out going, I can live. We're starting the mentoring program to help people actually get out of where they are in life. And that couldn't happen if it wasn't for all of you that say, God's blessed me. So how do I hand that on? How do I become a part of uh, blessing other people? It's always just more than meeting your needs. He wants to position you to be a blessing. God wants your mind. Why are we running a sound mind conference? I'll tell you why. It's not because we want to give a panacea, some kind of a little comfort to those that are struggling. We want you to have a strong mind so that you can bring strength into your workplace so that the person who suffers terrible anxiety can hear that there's an answer to their life, that it's not just, oh, well, after all, we're broken. 
I know we're broken. I know that humanity is. But our goal is not just simply to be, you know, the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff. We want to build the fence at the top. We want to help people. Is that all right? We want to help people go on from there. We want people to say, you know what? This is how your life can be. And you don't have to live the rest of your life with all of that, uh, you know, flotsam and jetsam from out of your past, infiltrating your mind and your heart. God wants to reposition you. And so faith is reasonable because I see that there's a divine purpose for the planet. Oh, God is not taking His hand off the wheel and He's letting the earth just career its own mad way towards destruction. The Bible says, go read the end of the book. You read the end of the book, He's got the whole thing in control. We used to sing this. Remember anyone? Well, I actually, I don't think I ever really sang it. I just heard other people say it. He's got the whole world. In his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. Oh, sing it, choir. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. Can I hear up the back? Oh, that's where the choir is. Ain't that true? And so it's, it's absolutely reasonable that no matter what I'm going to, come on, are you a business person here? And right now things are a bit tough. The best thing you'll ever do is say, there's a divine purpose to my business. This is not just about a roof over my family's head. It's about how God wants to position me for where He wants me to go. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13 says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure even on the bits where I can't see any reason for it or purpose for it. He says, there is one there. Third thing is that it's reasonable, absolutely reasonable, because He's already promised it. Obviously, if someone hasn't promised you anything, then you come with maybe hope, maybe unbelief. You might go, well, I'm not sure that someone will do that for me because they've never told me they will. But we're not asking blindly or ignorantly. Almost every page of this book is littered with promises of God. I know maybe you're here today and you've never heard that ever spoken. Maybe all you've ever heard is the thou shalt nots and the commands and all the stuff. And maybe uh, you're on Twitter and all the, all the nonsense people can carry on with of you know, what their opinions are about God. But if you read the book, you'll discover there's way more promises in here than anything else. There's thousands of them, literally. And God says that He's working it out in your life. It's a promise from God for you. So it's reasonable to me to come to God and say, God, would you heal my body? Why? Because He said He would. God, it's reasonable for me to come to you and say, would you give provision to my life? Why? Because he said, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. It's absolutely reasonable for me to come and say, God, would you give me wisdom? Because James 1 says, if anyone lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and never rebukes or turns away. It's absolutely sensible and reasonable that I come to God in my area of ministry and say, God, will you 
you anoint me? Will you empower me? Because he says in 2 Corinthians 3 that he has made us able ministers of the new covenant. And so I come to God, not on the basis of my need. I don't come saying, oh God, I really want it. This would be really good. And God, like you've got to persuade him into it. Like, hello, you know, that'd be like my kids coming to me and going, Dad, you know, please, please, can I go to school? Well, hello, that's just a part of it. I'll promise that. I'm going to look after you. Here's number four. Fourth thing is it's reasonable because God has proven His reliability to me over time. All of us, if you've been saved more than a year, I guarantee you can look back and you can see all the moments and all the days where God was there. You know, the psalmist talks about this. There's a couple of psalms particularly where he says, go back and rehearse. Go back and remember. Go back and, and remember the day when you didn't know. I do this sometimes. I remember the days sometimes when that was difficult or that was a challenge. And then how God came through. God made a difference in our life. I remember when we were wanting to buy our first home. And nobody would give us a loan because we were both working for the church and for some strange reason, they didn't think that that was a really secure, well-paying job. Who knew? And uh, I remember only ever happened one time going to a bank cocktail party and never asked me ever again. But I went to that one along with our, our church accountant and uh, this guy came up to me. I still remember his face. I can't remember his name. But I remember that he was already, as we say, in Australia, he was two sheets to the wind. <laughs> Let's just say he'd started lunch as a liquid and had continued through afternoon tea. And if you haven't got what I'm meaning yet, let's just say he was a little unsteady on his feet. And I'm there and as this guy says to me, when he, I got introduced to him, turned out he was the division manager of all these branches. And he said to me, you know, I do such a good imitation of this. I'm not going to tell you why. But he said, you know, he said, you do a lot of good for other people. I didn't even know how he knew I was. I didn't have a badge on. Didn't have crosses on my lapel. Didn't have a fish tattoo on my forehead. He said, you do a lot of good for people. Someone ought to do some good for you. He said, come into the branch tomorrow. I'm going to tell him to look after you. And I went, what? As we left, I remember not long after I said to George, George Stellianos, I said, George, he's half shot. He isn't even going to remember me tomorrow. And George wisely, George says, let's find out. So I ring up the branch the next day. Hello, Mr. So-and-so. Oh, Mr. Woodward, please come in. I'm going, are you the same people that kicked me out? And so I go walking into the branch, sit down, Mr. Woodward. Can I get you a drink, Mr. Woodward? These are the same people who laughed me out of the branch. And so this is, by the way, this is application number 37. Huh? And that was my wife. She was in charge of 36 of them. I'm serious. No, no, I don't mean that you, you got that the wrong way. I meant that in the highest compliment way. Because she would say, I'm not giving up. She would cut out the plans out of the 
pictures of the houses in the newspaper and cut them out and glue them all together and say, what do you think about that for a design? I'd go, oh yeah, whatever. Like, hello, that's about as realistic. That's not reasonable. You know, this guy going there and he writes me out a loan for, I think it was 30% more than at that time was even, even a bank standard and gave it to us. And the blessing kept flowing on. One of my friends went into his branch and he said, I want to borrow this amount of money. They said, we don't do that. And he said, well, you did it for my friend, Jeff Woodward. So they sat him down <laughs> and wrote him alone. I'm sure lots of us, come on, we look back. Listen, don't chuck away your history because often when you really look, it's his story. Huh? Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21. This I recall to my mind and therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies, we aren't consumed. His compassions fail not. Then you, every morning, great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in Him. Absolutely, it's reasonable because He has proven His reliability over time. Come on. You know, He didn't bring you this far to fail you. He never brought you this far so that you could just stumble at the last hurdle. He didn't put you in the race so that it would all go pear-shaped and you'd lose. Come on, I don't know who needs this this morning, probably all of us. But the reality is that faith is unreasonable. And I know that right now there'll be things around about your life that are going, yeah, but. How about we turn down the but because the buts belong to the goats. And we aren't goats, we are the sheep of His pasture. And we go, ba, ba, abba. It's a long boat. Abba. Here's the last reason. It's reasonable because he's already given his best and it's reasonable because my blessing serves his purpose and because he's already promised it. He's proven his reliability. Here's the fifth one and maybe it's the greatest one of the whole lot. It's reasonable because he's our father. You know, lots of you have grown up here in the Lord's Prayer. And for you, it's just as normal as anything. But when the disciples said to Jesus in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, Lord, teach us how to pray. And the first thing that comes out of His mouth is this. Our Father. Can I tell you, you have no idea. If there was a video I could show you of that moment, I'll tell you what it would look like. It would look like this. Jesus saying, Our Father. And all the disciples going, Why? Because the, the people of that day would not even utter the name of God. It was called the unpronounceable name. The Tetragrammaton, YHWH. They would not even say the name of God. They regarded that as blasphemy, that you would even dare to utter the name. That's why when Jesus told the parable of the, of the prodigal son and the father waiting home, they aren't, they're shocked on so many levels, it's ridiculous. Because to them, the notion of God as a Father who loves you, oh no, He was the judge to be feared. He was the one who was waiting. He'd been sharpening the stick that's got the big nail in it and carving your initials in the handle waiting to get you. And so when Jesus says after this manner, pray. Isn't it interesting He didn't start saying, God, let me tell you all the things I've done. 
Let me tell you how much I love you. Let me tell you all this. He says, start off with this. Our Father. Don't start off with you. Don't start off with do I deserve it or am I worthy? He said, start off with this. I know who I'm praying to. I know it's our Father, which art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. It's reasonable because He's not a supreme being. Oh, listen, I've studied enough of religions and comparative religions, enough to know this, there is no religion on planet Earth like Christianity that says God is your Father. Some religions say He's just a power. It's all up to you. you kind of got to work it out. And if you don't work it out properly, then you'll come back as a gnat or a bug or a whatever. I don't know, something bad and stinky. There's other ones that say, no, it's all about accumulating enough ticks and more ticks than crosses so that you can cross the line. Some others say, well, actually, you're probably never going to make it. And yet here comes God sending Jesus, His only Son. And He stands there and He says, this is how you pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And in that space, it's perfectly reasonable because I'm not coming to God of power. I'm coming to a heavenly Father who knows me and loves me implicitly. Luke 11 verse 13, Jesus was talking about receiving the Holy Spirit and He said this, If you then, being evil, know how to do good things, how much more will your heavenly Father Give the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. Understand that He's Lord of Lords, King of Kings. He's all those things. But I believe that the thing that most epitomises the heart of God is this. He's your Father. He loves you. He loves you. You're His. You're His. I read this this morning in John's Gospel where Jesus is praying in John 6. And He said this. He said, the ones that God gives me, He says, I'm holding on to, and I'll never let him go. I'm holding on to him. I'm never going to let him go. Can you hear that this morning? See, faith might be unreasonable to onlookers, but right now you're carrying something inside of you that makes faith eminently sensible. God's my Father. Of course He's going to look after me. Of course He will. Even if I walk through a valley of a shadow of death, He'll walk with me in Jesus' name. Let me pray. Come on. Heavenly Father, thank You for this morning. Thank You for everyone that's here and those that are listening or watching via podcast or via the YouTube channel. Lord, we want to stand before You this morning, sit before You, be in Your presence right now. Lord, I know that the Holy Spirit is the one who gives faith to our life. Faith is not our mental process. It's not that we somehow rather conjure it up. It's not a positive mental attitude. It's a spiritual gift from God that comes into the life of everyone that believes. And so God, I pray today for everyone that's here. I don't know what they're facing, Lord. I don't know whether it's opportunity or opposition. Don't know whether it's difficulty or delight. I don't sure what's going on, but God, whatever it is, would you impart faith? Come on, Lord, you can do this today. In the heart of everyone that's open to you right now, you can spark faith up again. I pray for people here, Lord, that maybe they've been going down the road a long time, but maybe now they've hit a bit of a pothole along the way. Would you revive faith and let it be refreshed inside of their life? 
Let him go out of here saying, God's my Father. He's going to look after me in Jesus' name. God's with me. God's going to help me. He's given me His promises. He's proven it before. If He gave me His best, how could He not give me that which is less? So Father, I pray You'll help each person like that in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank You for it, Lord. We, we just receive from You right now in the name of Jesus. I want the team to come. We're going to sing together that song that Leanne's playing right now. Just You can be seated while we sing it if you want. We're just going to sing together this chorus. I am who you say I am. You are who you say you are. And I want you to take a minute. Come on. I, I don't preach a sermon so that it can go into the collection. You know, the compendium of great messages. It's because in every single service, God is speaking to people that are here and saying, come on, let me in. I want to do something about this. I want to help you out of this. I'm going to walk with you through this. I'm going to be with you. And this is a moment for us to embrace faith from Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning, you might say, Jeff, I'm not a Christian yet. Can I have faith? Could God help me? Of course He can. Why don't you begin opening your heart right now and just say, Lord, would you help me? Lord, would you help me? Come on, let's worship God. Sing it for a minute. Invite the Holy Spirit to revive and refresh faith inside of your life today. In Jesus' name. Ooh, the sun sets free. Oh, it's free I'm a child of God. Yes, I Spirit is doing that this morning. I don't say that lightly. That's something to say at the end of preaching. I believe it. I feel like the Holy Spirit. Some of you are going to go out of here and what was despair, you're going to go, you know what? Somehow the edge has taken off that. You can hope and trust some of you that feel like you've just been going under and whatever, God's going to help you. Others of you here that it's not been about a negative, it's just been the size of the opportunity to go, wow, how's that going to happen? And everything reasonable in you tells you don't even try, don't step out. Some of you got to go out and go, you know what? There's a, there's a, a spiritual confidence, an unreasonable one inside of my life today, in Jesus' Name. Maybe you're here though today and you don't know Jesus inside of your life. This is probably about the 10,000th time, probably, that I've had the privilege of talking to people about where your soul is at. But you know, it never gets old, ever. I think about it sometimes as I walk around our city, walk around our suburbs, and I see people for whom 
the only hope is a good retirement, who struggle their way through their life without somebody supernaturally helping them. Relying on friends, that's great. Relying on yourself, well and good. But there's so much more. Spiritual life is not heaven when I die. Eternal life starts now. I start walking with the eternal one now. Happens that right here. It's not something you've got to wait for somewhere down along the road. Jesus walked in it, spoke about it to His disciples. Took them quite a while to get it because they thought He was talking about a new system. Get away from the Pharisees and all of their religious rules and we'll do it differently. But what He kept trying to say to them was, was this never was about rules and external things. It always was about an internal, not even a transformation. I'm not talking here about you just becoming a better person. I'm talking about you meeting Jesus. Simple as that. I'm talking about you becoming a believer in Christ, a receiver of Christ. I'm talking about you walking out of here. Instead of just saying, well, you know, today I went to church and it was really good and I got helped. But walking out of here going, you know what? Jesus became real to me today. The peace, the unreasonable peace came into my soul. And I believe that for every single person on planet Earth. I really do. Because the Bible doesn't say He came for the church. He didn't die for all the good people and, or who think they might be good. They were the ones who pushed Him away. He came looking for the broken and the beat up and the ones that were away from God. And He said, you're who I'm looking for. And I believe today, if you're one of those people, you can take the step. You can say yes to Jesus and your life becomes spun around 180 degrees. Not out of religious rules, but out of a relationship with Almighty God. Bow your head with me a moment. Would you close your eyes? I want to pray with people right now, right where you sit. You say to me, Jeff, I don't know Jesus like that. Or maybe you used to walk with God and through all the stuff that's happened in your life, you lost your way and today you need to come back to Him. I'd love to pray with you right where you are. Right where you are, you can say a simple yes to Jesus. That will bring Him into your life in an incredible way. If that's you this morning, you'd like me to pray with you. All I want you to do right now, right where you are, is just simply slip your hand up and put it back down again so I can see it. I'd love to pray with you today. You say, that's me. Jeff, that's me. I want to have Jesus in my life. Would you just do that wherever you are? Just raise it up. Then you can put it back down again. Maybe it's your first time here or maybe you've been coming lots of times but you've never taken the step of saying yes to Christ, my, I'd love to pray with you. Just I look across the building, I don't want to miss anybody out. So if I haven't noticed you yet, just need to wave it a little bit until I see you. It'd be my joy to pray with you today in Jesus' Name. Then Father, we thank You for today. Lord, for the people that are watching and that are listening, some of them, other parts of Australia. And right now, drive along in the car listening to this on the podcast. They want to say yes to you. People that are watching the video in the airport, they want to say yes to you. Somebody listening in as somebody else is watching it, want to say yes to you. Father, I pray that as they step into the yes of God, 
that their life will be transformed as only you can do in Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. You can all look this way. One of the great ways that you can connect with God is through what we call Yes Text. And uh, the phone number for that's up on the screen behind me, 0488 Or you can do it on the web via email. It'll come to you at yes.metrochurch.org.au. And uh, when you do that, the next day at 7 a.m. our time, you'll get a Scripture and you'll get a little prayer that you can pray and make yours. So many people are being discipled now in the life of this church through electronic means. And I want to thank some of the team like Jeremy and Mitch, wherever Mitch is, even wherever he is, he's up there somewhere in the, up in the clouds uh, that have put together all this. I think it's nearly 80 people now that are, being, that are doing the discipleship online program. And that's a pretty powerful thing when people are saying, I want to grow spiritually. I want to connect. So why don't you do that? Just text yes. We don't harangue you. We don't give you a number to anyone else. It's because I know there's a lot of concern right now about data. Here's the good news. All the data here is from the programs from Metro Church. It's not from Google. They don't get it. They don't harvest it. We don't get your name. It's about us helping you grow. And uh, so you can do that with real confidence at 0488 826 392 or yes.metrochurch.org.au. And I pray you'll do that. Walk on with God in a great way in Jesus' Name. Amen. Well, I'm looking forward to this whole month on faith. I know in a couple of weeks' time, I'm speaking on uh, the four giants you've never heard of. Uh, And I think that's going to be an incredibly powerful morning. Uh, Tonight, I think I'm speaking on how to give away your faith. It's not just about you. And uh, that's not a message about evangelism. It's about how to let your believing become a shelter for someone else. I think it'll help people for sure. Anyway, it'll be a great month all around. I've got no doubt.